Hello friends and welcome back to the intro. This is your host Matt Delavalle aka MDV and I'm joined today by my co-host and very good friend the owner of CrossFit Tilt five locations in Massachusetts Max Isaac. I know you guys have been loving the episodes with Max and we are going to bring the heat week to week and the heat does not get any hotter than this week with episode 59 the one about Dave Castro getting fired. We are spilling the tea on the director, excuse me, former director of the CrossFit Games and CFHQ legend Dave Catro was abruptly fired by the new CEO, Eric Rosa, and we dive into our opinions on the situation. Now, this was a great episode. It's a lot of our opinions on what went down, how it went down, and where it went down, and I hope that you guys enjoy. And if you have any questions or comments, you can hit us up on social media. I am at MDV underscore FIT on Instagram and at MaxAttack86 on the gram. Now, before we get into today's juicy episode, two things I want to let you guys know about. Number one, all of my workouts are on the NC Fit app. You can find me getting after it in the garage, outside, wherever I can find a place to lift some dumbbells, some plates, some weights. It's a bodybuilding plus functional strength program. And I know that you guys are going to love it. NC Flex, check out the show notes to hear more about that program. Number two, at Last Port Coffee Company, www.lastportcoffee.com. This is a coffee company that I started this past year. The coffee is absolutely amazing. We have four roasts, light, medium, medium, dark, and dark. Medium Dark Homebrew Bound is my absolute favorite. It is out of this world. Please check us out and support Small Coffee. Stop drinking that bucks. Now, without further delay, let's get into episode 59, the one about Dave Castro. Let's go. What cup of coffee are you on this morning, Max? Number 21. Lucky number 21. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's 12.48 here and... I've had a bunch of water. Um, I'm trying this new product. I forget what it's called, but it's like it adds like salt and like magnesium. Yeah. Um, L-M-N-T. Yeah. One of my friends uh, gave it to me. So I've I've been having that with uh, a little bit of Ultima, feeling like a superhero. And it's been been really good for my water intake, which is normally – zero i don't know i don't drink a lot of water <laughs> i don't i don't drink a lot of water but it's been really good for me and now i feel like i can just drink as much coffee as i want so it's 12 48 so it's about an hour and 10 an hour and 10 minutes before uh my cutoff i can't have coffee after two o'clock because i'm an adult now i'm 35 and i won't go to sleep so i just uh i've had i've had this is my third cup of coffee and i've also had a cortado today because Pinky's out. I'm fancy. You're wired. You're wired. You're so wired that you're calm right now, which is like the 10th stage of being wired. You go from being like completely <laughs> out of it before your first cup of coffee. Then after you drink a couple of cups, you're like on Mars because you're so fucking hyped up. And then once you get into like cup five or six or seven, like you start to have a come down, but you still have that nervous energy now. <laughs> like everything's kind of sweaty a little bit. I was just going to say, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like sweating profusely, um, which is, it's fine. Listen, I mean, I'm losing weight, so that's good. Um, anyway. Yeah. Right, we're we starting are. this episode off with the exact opposite of what we want people to actually do. We want you out there to enjoy your coffee. Yes, of course. Don't go over the top with too much caffeine. Make sure you're drinking your water. That LMNT product is actually really fantastic. A lot of people think that hydration is only about drinking water. But if you exercise a lot, uh, if you do a lot of physical activity, you also lose a lot of electrolytes. You lose a lot of salt and LMNT is something that you can use to replenish that. You don't want to go overboard with those either though, because there's a whole other side of the spectrum of having too much salt in your water, too much salt in your body. Just be smart, have one or two packets a day. Don't go overboard is the ultimate message. But Mr. Max Isaac, we've got some tea to spill today in the CrossFit world, recently announced on social media, the director or the former director of the CrossFit Games, 
Mr. Dave Castro has been fired from CrossFit HQ. The way that the firing went down, and this is just some speculation, is that Eric Rosa, the CEO of CrossFit, called Dave Castro up on the phone, told him that he was going to be fired, told him that there was going to be language that was going to go out that was going to be mutual in terms of this separation. Dave said, don't use that language because this is not mutual. And the reason we know all this is because Dave Castro himself posted this on his own personal Instagram. So pretty credible source there. But Max, Dave Castro out of CrossFit HQ after many, many years, 15 years of running and directing the CrossFit games and also doing a lot on seminar staff, leading that team for years as well. What are your thoughts? So a uh, couple things. I think whenever anything happens nowadays, speaking of salt, you really have to take everything with a grain of salt and understand that most of the time you're not getting the whole story. But the story that was presented to us, um, I think from what I've seen so far, a lot of people are taking it uh, pretty hard. And understandably, uh, Dave's been in the not only the competitive arena for a long time, but to my understanding, has been deeply involved with, you know, the seminar staff. I, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I've seen people coming out talking about him is like Dave just like dropping into random gyms and kind of being um, a different version of what you see during the open. And I think that that was one of the things that was really interesting over the past couple of days is people saying, Hey, you know, like this one persona of Dave Castro maybe really isn't who he is, which I think everybody, I think everybody could, could kind of tell that. I think um, my, my reaction to this is there, there seems to be this kind of changing of the guards in, in CrossFit and, you know, rightfully so when somebody takes over a, a new company they they make changes i know for me personally all i've ever known is you know dave castro as the director of the games i've enjoyed watching the games i i enjoy the open workouts i think he's a, a great programmer i don't have any personal experience with dave castro so it's hard for me to speak on that i the, the one thing that stuck out to me was again from from Dave saying he hadn't spoke to his boss in three months and that the only communication that he received was this phone call about his termination from the company so this isn't even a CrossFit thing in my eyes it's more of like a business thing and again everything with a grain of salt that seems a little odd to me. Like you wouldn't be talking to somebody on a regular basis. And then the first time that you talk to them, you're like, you're, you're out. I, you know, that, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, let's give a little background here. So in 2020, I believe towards the end of 2020, I have to check on that. Eric Rosa, who is a tech uh, executive, or he made his money in tech, a uh, very, very wealthy guy got together with a group of investors and bought CrossFit HQ from Greg Glassman. And with that, there were some very, very quick changes that occurred because CrossFit was going through a bit of an identity crisis with some of the stuff that Greg had posted, you know, early on in COVID uh, around the George Floyd uh, incident. And it caused a ton of controversy. And, you know, we can talk all about that uh, another time. But Eric Rosa and team came in, purchased CrossFit, made some very quick pivots, both from a public statement standpoint and personnel, and kept Dave Castro on board through all of that brought back in Nicole Carroll, who was another big figurehead in CrossFit. She had departed around the time that Greg had made some of those statements and Eric and team brought her back in. And for the most part, it seemed like Dave, Nicole and Eric had a very buddy, buddy type of relationship, at least what they showed during the 
content that they were creating and also on social media, it kind of seemed like Eric was trying to be like their friend. He was trying to be buddy, buddy with them. And these are just my opinions. So that I want to make that clear as well. I gave you some background about the acquisition of CrossFit, but also more recently, something that came up and this, again, this is public. This is not something that I'm speculating on. Eric Rosa made a very clear statement that he was struggling with some mental health issues. I believe it was depression in particular. He put it out there on social media. Uh, I wish him all the best. I hope that he's navigating that well. Um, mental health is very serious. I'm not making light of that whatsoever, but that could also be part of the reason why he and Dave have not communicated much over the past three months. I don't know. Again, I'm just speculating. What you brought up though, in terms of Dave Castro's personality, I think is really interesting. And if you go on to any of the social media platforms and you look at some of the comments that are being made, Dave was somebody who I think for the most part, a lot of people enjoyed him. They enjoyed some of uh, his antics, his personality. He certainly didn't pull any punches. He was always somebody who was very outspoken about his way of doing things. He didn't pretend to be anybody who he wasn't. Um, and I think that a lot of people enjoyed that, but there's certainly a portion of people who got rubbed the wrong way by that. And I think it's pretty safe to say that you could say that Dave was a fairly controversial figure in CrossFit because of that really brash personality and also because of the personality he took on during his CrossFit Games directorship. You know, he put himself out there as essentially like the host, quote unquote, of the CrossFit Games. He was a very public figure. He was the announcer for all the open workouts for a number of years. He was also the creator, the curator of the games. He was a very public figure in that sense. He didn't do it from behind the scenes. The CrossFit Games and Dave Castro for a lot of people were synonymous. So I think you have a very... I think a lot of people are sad, but you also have this other side of it where you read some of the comments and a lot of people are saying, what took so long? A lot of people are saying, this is a good thing. A lot of people are saying, I didn't like the guy. So there is a contingent of, member, of people there that got rubbed the wrong way by some of his personality and his antics. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying in that the, the CrossFit Games and Dave Castro were synonymous. They felt like they were one and the same thing. And, you know, I've thought for a long time to legitimize the sport that there shouldn't be one, one figurehead doing it all. Now, my belief is Dave Castro has programmed some freaking amazing open workouts some uh, uh, amazing events. He does a great job at showing the race, especially especially in the games, creating fun events that people can really get into. But this, I mean, I, I, I don't want to go too far off topic here. You know, legitimizing the sport of, of CrossFit, there, there, aren't a, there aren't a number of professional sports that really have like this one figurehead except for the, the, the two that I can think of are like UFC, right. With, with, with Dana White, Dana White. right. And, and then I'm thinking like, uh, like back in the day, wasn't it like Vince McMahon for like, for like WWE? WWE. Yeah. Okay. So the, those two. That's really are interesting. You brought that up by the way. So the, those, those two sports, and I don't even know if WWE is a real sport, whatever that, 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 that's beside the point. But th those two uh, events are the only two that I can really think of where this figurehead is kind of synonymous with, 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 with the sport. And I've always thought that for, for CrossFit, it's like, you know, it's, it's, what, it's what you have right now. Guys like um, who, Pat, Pat Sherwood, uh, ladies like, you know, Andy Sakamoto, um, was it Chase Ingram, you know, that, that they have these, you know, handful of, you know, you know, announcers, color commentary, all this other stuff. And then why not continue to have Dave 
do what he's done for the past 15 years. I mean, hasn't he done a wonderful job elevating the games? Like th- this is this is where I have such a hard time understanding the thought process. And obviously, you know, I have no experience working for a VC firm or, or anything like this, but the what I do have experiences is like the community of CrossFit and what you're seeing right now is this, you know, emotional response to Dave getting let go. I I don't think there will be some huge fallout because I mean, let's, let's also be serious for a second here. Um, Emotional response lasts a couple of weeks and then people are kind of back to normal. And this is not a, this is, this is not commentary on CrossFit. This is just commentary on life right now in that people can get very charged for a couple of weeks and then it dies down and then things just kind of keep moving. Now, what I would have loved to see is, you know, you, you keep Dave on as the director of the games and maybe you just really try and do a good job elevating a couple of commentators and people that can carry this thing forward. I mean, um, you know, Rory was great at that, right? Like, I, I just feel like there are so many really wonderful CrossFit personalities that it wouldn't have been easy to just have somebody slide in and assume the role of the face. And, you know, I mean, he's like, you know, Castro's like Dr. Oz. He's behind the curtain. Like, what's wrong with that? Well, I think you made a really interesting comparison to WWE and UFC in Vince McMahon and Dana White, respectively. That's kind of the role that Dave played in the organization. He was not only somebody who was integral in the event, the planning, the matchups, the whole proliferation of the sport, but he also inserted himself into the sport as a personality, kind of how Dana and Vince have done. And to different degrees of success, for sure. Um, You know, I think that, Dana and Vince really did a lot for the sport. So did Dave. Dave did a lot for the sport of CrossFit. But there are other leagues, like if you take the NFL, you take Major League Baseball, you take the NHL, you take the NBA. Through those histories, you've had commissioners of the sports who to different levels have inserted themselves or not inserted themselves, right? Roger Goodell in the NFL was very famously hated because he inserted himself so much into the conversation and interfered with the field of play. Now with the UFC and WWE, it's almost like those guys who did it got a pass by the fans because they made the sport so much better. I think if Roger Goodell made the sport so much better, he might've gotten a pass, but you have a lot of commissioners in the more big leagues who just kind of operate like you're saying behind the scenes and don't necessarily have like, somebody who's the personality face of the organization. Now, the one thing that I want to chat about here, uh, Max, is, you know, the timing of Dave's uh, firing is very interesting because, you know, as this episode airs, we'll be in the, you know, second week of January, the 2022 CrossFit Open is right around the corner. It's going to come up in the end of January, uh, February, excuse me. Dave had just announced a few days ago that he had written and finalized the CrossFit Games workouts for the Open. That, to me, combined with Dave's reaction on social media, I am presuming, and this is just my opinion, that he had no idea that this was coming. Because it kind of, it makes him look a little dumb. I'm not saying he's dumb whatsoever. I'm just saying it makes him look a little uh, outside of the circle. You know, you have your post go up the other day. Hey, CrossFit Games uh, open workouts are just finalized. And then your one of your next posts after that is, hey, I just got fired. So it seemed like it was unexpected. Was that your take as well? Oh, yeah. In, in fact, there, there was a, a video published of the aftermath of Sean Sweeney testing one of the workouts. And I don't know if you saw this, it was like maybe a three or four minute video. And it's just Dave on the ranch with Sean Sweeney and you did or didn't, didn't, did not. Oh, and so, and so Sean Sweeney's kind of like writhing on the ground and he's, you know, he's like, it's interesting. He's, he's swearing, but the swears aren't beeped out. The movements are, he's like, oh, the beep, 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 like, you know, like 
it was uh, again like i i love the open not for chasing a placement i just love the fact that like you get to do a workout that nobody knows about until the night before and that everybody gets to do the workout i love how the open has changed for me over the past 10 years like i I enjoy the open from in uh, from like an athlete side, as well as um, from a coach's side, as well as from an affiliate owner's side. Like the, the open for me is is something that's very cool and very unique. But to your point, a hundred percent, it um, it seemed unexpected. So much so that Dave even put a tweet out there, I believe, asking the CrossFit Games are you still going to use my open <laughs> workouts? Um, which, which, it, which again, you know, I'm, I'm of the belief that Dave Castro will be totally fine with whatever he does. Right. Um, he has, he has been in this world for so long. I mean, I immediately thought I'm like, Oh, watch, um, watch rogue pick up Dave Castro and turn the rogue invitational into a premier event. You know, how 100%. easy that, you know, it already is a premier event. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, 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 I would, you know, I'd put Rogue Invitational, Wadapalooza, and I, you know, I don't know what other events up there, but the, the, the two that I think of are, you know, Rogue Invitational and Wadapalooza, right? Those are the ones that, that, that I think of immediately. Um, and Rogue Invitational, very easy putt to bring Dave on and make, make him the programmer for that. This becomes, you know, the, 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 the number one event outside of the CrossFit Games. Dave's fine, right? Like, He'll, he'll land on his feet. He's been in this world for so long. That's totally fine. My, my now next thought is like, okay, so who's programming this? Who, who is doing this stuff? And, and I think that for a lot of athletes, that should be a real concern because while I totally understand that this is a sport of variance, which we can even get into if this even makes it a sport because it's so varied, but we're going to call it, you know, the, the sport of fitness, it's all about variance, but, but now you're having a number of people, this is their livelihood, right? They're, they're chasing these athletic endeavors that this is where they're, you know, they're, they're making their money through their sponsors, through all this other stuff. And now the person who has been programming, taking care of everything for the past 15 years. And this is not to discount this huge team of people, right? Like there, there is of course a huge team that is carrying out, you know, what Dave says and all this other stuff, but like, let's be serious by and large, this is the person that's been programming the games. He's been, you know, directing, designing the games for 15 years, right? Isn't that 15 years? Is that what it is? 15. And, and now he's gone as an athlete. I, I, I'd be very concerned. Well, a couple of things that you, you brought up there. Uh, number one, I agree with you. I think Dave will be just fine wherever he goes. I think that he's obviously somebody who's very smart, very shrewd, very talented. He's got a lot of friends. He's probably got a lot of companies who would be really interested in having him on as either an advisor, as a representative, as a whatever and I think Rogue Fitness being probably one of the top candidates in that, Dave will be just fine no matter what happens. I, I, I firmly believe that. I'm not saying that this doesn't sting any less, maybe. It probably does. It probably is really, really tough based on his entire history with not only the CrossFit Games, but the entire fabric of CrossFit. This guy was the guy who went out there with uh, Greg Glassman early on and articulated the doctrine of CrossFit to just about everybody who got their level one before 2009. He was the person who was responsible for building the course curriculum, for probably building a lot of the lectures, for building a lot of the methodology, for figuring out how do we take all of that stuff? How do we put it into a competitive arena? And he was 100% the guy that drove the CrossFit games for 15 years. So you can't discount in what, in any way, shape or form, just how important Dave Castro was in the history of the sport of CrossFit. I think everybody recognizes that, but also the entire realm of CrossFit in particular, the seminar staff, 
uh, team, the level one experience, and probably a lot of the doctrine and a lot of the things that we look at today as going, oh, that's CrossFit. You can probably very quickly go, oh, that was might have been Dave Castro. Now, the other thing that you mentioned about the athletes, I kind of have a different opinion on this. They're fucking professional athletes. You have to just deal with it. You got to roll with the punches. I'd understand that they'd be concerned about how this is going to go down, has it impact me. But at the end of the day, just show up, work out, be prepared to do whatever they tell you to do. And that's what you signed up for. I'm not worried about the athletes as much. Um, you know, in terms of like where this is going to go, I, I don't know who's going to step into the role of programming the CrossFit games. It says, uh, that Justin Berg has been promoted. Justin Berg is another longtime CrossFit HQ guy who uh, has some similar characteristics to Dave in terms of uh, loved by some and, you know, a little bit controversial. Uh, he has been put into the role of director of the CrossFit Games. I don't know whether or not he's going to be programming the CrossFit Games. That's a question that they have to figure out on their end. You know, one of the things that you and I were chatting about on text this morning was – CrossFit HQ, when they were acquired by Eric Rosa and company, they went out and they pulled a lot of OGs back into the fold. They pulled some of our friends back into the fold. They pulled a programming organization back into the fold. They pulled Nicole Carroll back into the fold. And a lot of those people, we don't have to name any names, a lot of those people are Dave Castro loyalists just as much as their CrossFit loyalists. So I think that we're going to see over the next weeks and months, what happens with some of those people? Again, just our opinions, just speculating, but you remove a key individual out of an organization. You take the person who was the culture of the organization out. Does that impact how the rest of the organization feels, how the rest of the people feel? I don't know. Yeah. And this is, you could do, um, you could do a whole episode on that last point that you just made, which is, the the culture and community of CrossFit, right? And this is this is why it's so hard with um, with these topics, right? Because you have somebody that's been so deeply embedded in the CrossFit community for so long, has all these connections, and now they're being pulled out. Well, at the same time, a lot of um, other, like you said, CrossFit OGs being pulled back in. I think the the hardest part is you know separating like relationships from from business and that's that's outside of you know dave castro leaving this is in fact one of the hardest parts about running a crossfit business in general you know is is the the business side in the relationship side the blending of the two, something that um, I've dealt with firsthand. It's very, very difficult. I've dealt with it on a really small scale. What Rose is doing right now, he'll be dealing with it at a very, very large scale. I would imagine somebody like Rosa will rely heavily on some of these kind of OG people to um, keep things moving forward. Right. And he's done a great job at bringing in some really wonderful people that have been there for a long time. I mean, you just you know mentioned a few. And so he will have to lean on them heavily because um, I don't think that Eric Rosa has the trust for a move like this. No way. And right. So you know, this is, this is how it goes. He's assembled a team of people that um, are trusted in the community. I mean, you know, like you said, like N Nicole Carroll, right? She's been here forever, right? She's, she was with Greg since I believe day one, right? Or quite, quite early, early on. I mean, listen, if you have a workout named after you, you're probably a pretty big OG, right? I mean, think about, you know, our, our good friends, uh, you know, from, from, you know, hand plan that are now working, working on cap. I mean, these guys have been in it forever. So they, um, they, I mean, you know, obviously James has my trust. I'd follow him through a, you know, ocean of fire. Um, 
but you know, I think it's uh, it, it's going to be relying heavily on the people that have been here for a long time, and and probably for for Eric uh, taking a little bit of a backseat and uh, not making any waves for a while. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I I think that this decision probably in particular looks bad from an outsider's perspective. The decision looks bad on Rose's part without any other context of understanding what went down, which nobody knows with, was there an event that was the straw that broke the camel's back? Was there tension in the relationship? Were there competing interests? Was it something that had to do with the contract of, you know, the purchase of CrossFit and any sort of like vesting of shares or payouts or anything like that? There's a lot of shit that could be going on. The one thing that rubs me the wrong way and just my personal opinion, and I've talked to you about this a little bit, is like when CrossFit was acquired, this whole like buddy-buddy act that went down at the beginning of everything where like, you know, they always were acting like best friends and posting pictures together and doing workouts together. And I get it. You have to play the part or you have to kind of sell the, sell the role a little bit, for lack of a better term. But it just seems really thin now looking back on it. And like, I agree with you. I think that the weight of this decision has going to be carried by a lot of the other people in the organization who are going to have to step up and become a little bit more of like, Hey, we're still here. This is still us. We still have some cool stuff going on. And this wasn't all just reliant on, on Dave. Now, if they, if they don't step up in that way, I don't know whether or not that leads to some issues or does that lead to continuous lack of trust or whatever. That's other speculation there. Um, I do want to get into the really interesting topic that you brought up that this wasn't even on our list to talk about today was this idea of the pros and cons of doing business in the CrossFit community functional training realm where everything is really, really tight and interconnected and intertwined between professional personal, you know, the feelings of loyalty, the feelings of I have to do this for my business. It's a really tough set of circumstances to navigate. Can you talk a little bit about that, Max? Sorry, I was just on mute there. Um, yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's one of the greatest challenges of running a CrossFit affiliate. The, you know, on, on one side, what makes CrossFit gyms, functional training gyms so wonderful are these real relationships that are forged. I mean, I posted a picture on my Facebook, uh, my closed Facebook group for one of my gyms. Uh, the first picture that you and I have ever taken together, which I hope will be like the next picture that we post because it's super funny. But anyway, it was 10 years ago. So 10 years ago was our first picture. Here we are today on, you know, sharing a podcast together, great friends. We get to talk all the time. I mean, real relationships. So on one side of running a CrossFit affiliate, you have these real relationships that are forged and people that care deeply for the members and the members care deeply um, about the coaches and about the gym. That That's how these things work. Now on, on the other side is that at some point, as a business owner, you are going to have to make business owner decisions. And it's so incredibly difficult because the business owner is tied in and cares about these people deeply, right? And the, the, the members are having those, those same feelings towards the owner or towards the coach. And so when you make hard decisions, there can be these crazy emotional responses. Right. And, um, it's uh, again, like without getting too much into specifics, um, it's, you know, I've had to make some really, some really tough decisions. I mean, shoot, like the, the, the thing that I always come back to, and I actually always talk to like my young coaches about are, um, when Ben fired me, from being, uh, from being a full-time coach. Mm -hmm. So I, I had, uh, my biggest dream up until this point was to be a full-time CrossFit coach. And I had gone all in and, you know, I, I had quit teaching and Ben had essentially said to me, like, 
I'm going to make this work for you. I'm going to bring you on as a, as a full-time employee. And a couple months in, pulls me aside. And it's essentially like, you're, you're no longer going to be a full-time employee because there's, there's not enough work for you to do. Um, and your salary isn't justified. And like, this is a guy that, you know, at, at the time I'm like, like outside of him being my boss, you know, Ben was like coaching me. He was like my mentor. I like looked up to this guy. He was like one, he is like one of my good friends. And like, I'm like completely crushed, but I had to take a step back and be like, yeah, this is probably the right move. I like, I don't, I don't, I'm not doing enough work to justify the salary. I'm going to go down to part-time and like, ultimately you have to understand that it's a business. Just curious. Did he give you any reason besides the fact that, you know, there wasn't enough work to go around? Was it, it, it wasn't anything performance related in particular to you doing your job that you were assigned. It was just the fact that there might not have been enough that you were assigned. Yeah, there just wasn't uh, initially there, there like was enough work for me to do. And then there wasn't. And, you know, he's like, Hey, you know, it's there, there's not, not enough stuff for you to do. Yeah. All right. So this is, I think this gets to the heart of what makes it so difficult to do business in this type of scenario, because it is so deeply intertwined with your personal feelings. You know, I can look back on our time at CrossFit New England. And I've had difficult conversations with Ben as well about uh, different things, uh, you know, whether or not we were going to open up a business together and, you know, go that route and, you know, opening up gyms and it didn't pan out. And those were very difficult for me at the time. Uh, Ultimately, I think it was what was best for me and for him, but it's hard news to stomach when you don't quote unquote, get what you want or you think is best from somebody who you really trust. And what makes it really difficult for anybody listening here, you know, if you're going into your functional training gym or your CrossFit gym and you're an athlete, the way that everybody interacts within a CrossFit gym is very intimate. The members interact with the coaches in a very intimate way. And I'm talking about appropriate intimacy. (laughs) I'm talking about having really close relationships, asking about, you know, how you're doing, knowing about your personal life, becoming friends, with the members. That relationship for the most part also transcends the coach to owner relationship. A lot of times coaches and owners are typically very close friends, very personal relationships, very intimate, very, very knowledgeable about what's going on in each other's lives. And the way that the business feels, it feels like family for the most part. And when you make that analogy, I think a lot of people might be nodding their heads and going, Oh, I understand what it's like when you do business with family. I've lent money to family members and this is what it's like when they don't pay me back. Or I've entrusted family members with a task and this is what it's like when they don't follow through. It's all good when you're doing business with friends and family until something becomes difficult or until something goes wrong. And if you don't have those expectations clarified early on, If you don't set it clearly out that, hey, listen, we'll be friends. We will have a close personal relationship, but this is also a business. We also have to make money. We also have to make sure we respect the members. We respect the job. You can't show up late. You got to show up dressed appropriately. You got to run your classes a certain way. You have to be on time. All of those things have to happen and they have to be clearly expressed at the start because it makes it so much more difficult as you go through the relationship if they're not it's already going to be difficult to have the tough conversation down the road with an athlete or a coach or the owner, because there are these deeper levels of intimacy. It's even worse when the expectations aren't clearly laid out at the start. Now it's a beautiful thing to do business in this world because, you know, I've met people like you, I've met people like James. I've met people, you know, all my closest friends are people who I've met through, doing fitness as a career. It's not always that I've done business with those people and I've made mistakes that when I have done business with some of those people on the exit out, 
it was very difficult. But in terms of going forward, I've learned my lesson. With NC Fit, my relationship is very, very clear. You know, I have a close personal relationship with Jason, but I'm also, I'm an employee. I know exactly what I have to do. And I know exactly what I need to do if I want to excel. I have to crush my fucking job. And I'm not, I have no unclear expectations in that regard. I'm just curious, Max, like you own a gym and it's a little bit different and you've worked with coaches at different levels, part-time coaches, full-time coaches, head coaches, paying people full-time salary, part-time salary, all that kind of stuff. What do you think is some of the tougher aspects of those conversations? Do you think it's more like the people who come into the roles don't understand that it's also a business? No, and, and I actually think everything that you said is what makes it so difficult. You can, every, every coach that gets a job with us, whether it be part-time or full-time, has a list of rules and responsibilities that they sign on for. Everybody gets that. Not only that, we have a phenomenal general manager whose life is essentially dedicated to helping these part-time and full-time coaches get their roles and responsibilities done and give them help where they need it. The, the hardest part is, is that even with expectations, even with people signing off on roles and responsibilities, it's, you're, it's an emotional thing that you're doing. You know, nobody gets into coaching because it's like, I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to make a million dollars this year off being a coach. I mean, could you, maybe I've yet to do that in, in a year. That sounds amazing. Um, but you're getting into coaching because you love people. You want to pay things for it. I mean, if you talk to any coach, you know, if I talk to you or, you know, you talk to me, like there's like pivotal moments in our lives that are like, this is why I'm a coach. This is why I'm an educator. This is why I give my time to others. Like everybody has that. And if you don't have that, maybe you're coaching for the wrong reasons, right? So because of that, it's like emotions are always high because you are pouring yourself into what you're doing. And what becomes really difficult is being able to separate those two things this emotional response and owning that maybe you haven't done your job to the best of the ability, or maybe you need some help, you know? And, and I will tell you, um, this was one of the hardest things for me when I was a young coach. And, and I'll tell you, like Ben threw me right in the deep end with this a lot of the times, and it helped me grow so much as a professional, you know, like I can, what I was can that? Remember. What was the thing that he helped? What, what was the actual thing that he threw you into the deep end for? Like own owning up to the level of work that you're doing. Just being, you just know? fucking taking a level of ownership and leadership over your entire realm. Yeah. Of like, like, yeah. Right. Like, like being held accountable for your actions. And, um, and I, I can just, I can just remember this this one time where this is back when the ECC was a uh, top tier event and it it was freaking awesome back in the day. So for everybody listening the ECC is the East Coast Championship and that was a competition that Ben Bergeron and some of the people from CrossFit New England were really integral in starting in the Northeast and it brought in a ton of competitors. It was a really cool competition. They only ran it for a couple of years, but Max, please continue. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, come on, Frazier was there before Frazier was Frazier, Rich Froning was there. I mean, everybody was there. I mean, not to mention, I competed there a couple of times. No big you deal. You were there. Not a big deal. <laughs> anyway, I, I mean, I was there. Max Isaac was there. But I remember that one of the years that I stopped competing in the ECC, Ben had brought me in to help with um, like equipment, right? And I had spent all this time this weekend and I, I had really thought that I had like done a good job. And I remember going in that Monday and Ben's like, Hey, let me like, let me talk to you for a second. And he like pulls me into the office and he's like, Hey, like this weekend, like you didn't really pull your weight, you know? And he, he, he essentially wow. said, he's like, he's like, I saw, he's like, I saw, you know, your, you know, 
your your friend Jeff and your friend Eamon do this, this, and this. And, you know, I saw you kind of just go along for the ride. And my first response was like, you know, big balloon chest. Like I'm about to like lay it on them. And then I like took a little step back and was like thinking to myself, like, yeah, you know, I was there. Like I was there for the ECC. I probably could have done a better job. And like, I, I, I'm not saying that like, oh, you know, you, 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 you call people out regardless, but Ben always did a very good job at holding me to the highest standard. And when you're in it, it's hard because you're so emotionally invested. I mean, I, I can remember being so angry. Like I wanted to cry at that moment because here I was thinking that like, what do you, what do you, you're, you're like uh, uh, attacking my character. Like, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're saying I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a bad person. It's like, no, no, no. He's literally commenting on this weekend at the ECC and how you did moving the equipment and all this other stuff. And backstory on me is uh, my younger years, I had a really hard time with, uh, with authority. <laughs> I was uh, kind of a punk kid and, uh, you know, I paid my dues. What Ben was able to do for me at my, uh, with my time at CrossFit New England was hold my feet to the fire and really make me take a hard look at the work that I'm doing. And it's one of the best things that happened to me. And it's also one of the hardest. And this is also why it's so hard doing what we do. You know, you're, you're in a leadership role at, at NC fit. Like you said, you're having hard discussions all the time with people that are your friends. It's uh, it's, it's, it's really difficult. I appreciate what you just shared, Max, big time, because I I remember a lot of those conversations that Ben would have with the team having group conversations about personal accountability and, you know, doing what you know is right. And then, then having the individual conversations when people stepped outside of that and making you own up to it and not just letting it uh, get swept under the carpet. And, you know, we, you know, we talk a lot about, um, you know, CrossFit New England and the things that we learned there. And certainly it was not perfect. It wasn't a paradise, but there was a lot of things that Ben did really, really well that both you and I learned from and has shaped how we operate within the fitness space and really shaped how you probably built the culture at Tilt. And I know it has shaped how I've built cultures at different places that I've gone to. One of the things that I always appreciated about Ben as well and this is something I've I learned as a young coach early on at CrossFit New England. And I can't fucking believe that people don't pick up on this faster if they're in their gyms and they're uh, a coach. Ben would just start doing work sometimes. He would just start doing stuff. He would go to the side of the, the business where it was previously like a jungle. It was like tons of old equipment and some garbage and stuff like that. And sometimes he would just start going out there and doing work to clean it up. And I remember sitting there and being like, I got to go help this guy. This guy, my boss is outside cleaning up the garbage while I'm sitting behind the front desk eating a paleo power meal or whatever. And for me, it was just kind of common sense. Like he never asked for anybody to come and help him with that kind of stuff. The lesson that I want any young coaches who are listening out there or any young professionals who are listening out there if you see your boss going to do something that you kind of know you should have done, or you can even just help out, just stand up and start doing work, regardless of whether or not it's the same work that that person is doing or some other thing that needs to be done, just start working. It's the worst look in the history of being a professional If your boss is doing something in particular, if it's something manual and small that you could do and you're not helping out or you don't ask to help, it's wild to me that people don't figure this out. And that's one of the easiest ways to become a trusted person or a trusted team member is just do the work that needs to be done. Don't ask questions. Don't ask whether or not you're getting paid for it. If you see your boss going over and starting to do something, 
just start helping out. So easy, so obvious. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, I, I'm just thinking about, yeah, that, that, uh, that side of CFNE that was like, uh, like a Sanford and Sun scene. Um, <laughs> it was a wasteland over there. <laughs> yeah. Fitness wasteland. But no, you're, you're, you're 100% right with not, not to do busy work, but let, let's be serious. If you're, if you're working at a gym or, or you're running a gym, it's it's endless in the best way possible on ways that you can improve the gym. In fact, when we started our first affiliate uh, in Waltham, it became my obsession was like, how can I maximize like my space and my member experience by like tiny little things? Like I, I feel like the first couple of years of us being open, I was like reorganizing things all the time to like the centimeter, right? Like I'd figure out like how to fit like one more rower in this tiny little space, <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah. but it's, it, it, it's super fun to, to do that stuff. And so like, to your point, if you, if you don't like love being at, at the gym and, and doing some of this stuff, like maybe you shouldn't coach. Like maybe this actually like, isn't, isn't the thing for you, which is totally fine. But I just know as a coach, it's, and we, we talk about it like in length, your classes are one thing, but outside of it, your whole, like your whole existence in the professional world is like maximizing these experiences and making things as great as it can be. So like, you know, to your point, like Ben going outside and like doing this stuff, you know, like next to, next to the building, it's like, here he is just trying to make like one thing a little bit better. And the king of this, and we have not mentioned his name. I know exactly what you're going to say. Don't say Kevin Montoya. Kevin Montoya. I knew you were going to say Kevin Montoya. Kevin, I have Kevin Montoya. First off, hold on. I hold on, hold on. The meanest guy in the world, Kevin Munster. No, no. <laughs> the, the, the nicest man ever. Him and Harry, him and Harry could go back and forth between nicest guys. But no, you're not. Kevin Montoya, no, Kevin Montoya is a Renaissance man. But what Kevin would do was he would find things at CFNE that he could make like a million times better. One thing that I remember was we used to store all the medicine balls in these like wooden bins. I knew exactly what you're going to say here. And they, they never, you know, they, they just didn't look great. One day, Kevin completely unprovoked takes all the medicine balls out, (laughs) takes apart these wooden bins and rebuilds this amazing or builds this amazing shelving system to store all the medicine balls and it's fun fact still being used today or how about kevin came up with a pulley system to hang all the rings and all the ropes and fun fact about kevin before he did crossfit was trying to be a stuntman i don't know if you knew this and so what he you broke a stuntman oh a stuntman okay and so i can remember him being up in the rafters of CFNE doing this pulley stuff. I'm like, I, I, I can't, I can't even imagine it And the last one. And then I know we can move on was we had these lifting platforms that were, that were fine, right? They're normal plywood lifting platforms. Kevin hand painted the CFNE logo on all of them and made an instructional Stained YouTube them. video and then did the exact same thing for the wall ball targets. Do you remember that? Yeah. Hand painted all the wall ball targets. I mean, talk about a guy. He's just on another level and just the best guy. Don't make him like Kevin Montoya anymore. That's for sure, right? One of a I, kind. Yeah, one of a kind guy who is always doing something around the gym and never asked to get paid for it. Would just do the work that needed to be done. I'm not necessarily as handy as Kevin Montoya. I like to think of myself as being just as busy as Kevin Montoya, though, just doing the things that I knew needed to be done. 
mopping the floor, sweeping the floor, restocking the fridge. It doesn't need to be fancy fucking stuff either. Like it just comes down to if you see something that you can improve or see something that needs to be done, just do it. And this analogy that I like to talk about to young coaches or people who are on the team is I'd rather tame the tiger than poke the panda. If you do something and you take initiative and you go a little beyond, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We probably shouldn't paint everything red in the bathroom, whatever, like something silly like that. I'd rather people take a little bit of initiative, ask about, hey, can I do this? Or just start doing a project than always being the person that needs to be told, hey, can you help out with this? Hey, can you help restock the fridge? Hey, can you sweep the floor? Hey, can you put away the equipment? Especially if it's part of your fucking job, which it is if you're a coach at a gym. This is something I firmly believe. If you're a coach, it is your job to leave the gym better than you found it. And that means when you're done coaching your classes, all the equipment goes away. The floor is swept and mopped. The gym, the lights are off. The heat is shut off if they ask you to do that. The doors are locked. The music is off. There's nothing worse than being the first coach that shows up the next day and the gym is a wreck because the person who coached and closed didn't do their job. Just do your job. It worked for the New England Patriots. It will work for you. Well, so first off, at that type of behavior does not last um, does not last long at at a CrossFit gym because the staff is so incredibly small. I would imagine, like at most retail locations, you know, like retail jobs, that nobody really knows if somebody doesn't do something. Our, our coaching staff at our gyms, two full-time coaches. So if they know if you're close, if you're, if you're closing and you didn't put away the stuff that next person in the morning, it's like, you just look right at that person, which I, I love by the way, because one thing that has always stuck with me again, we're, this is like the CFNE Ben episode <laughs> is is when you would have these hard conversations with Ben, it was never like, you're a bad person, you're a piece of shit. You know, it was like, okay, like you're not perfect. Nobody is. Let's learn from it. Let's be better. If you're, if you're a new coach right now, or you're a veteran coach, you're going to mess up all the time. You're going to forget to do things. That's just part of the job because there is this high level of responsibility when you are a full-time coach. I mean, you are really doing a lot and things are going to fall by the wayside and you're going to forget about to do things. And so the, the number one thing that, that I could say it has been um, one of the most important lessons in my professional career is admitting when you've made a mistake. It is so hard for some people. And let me tell you, like, I have no problem owning when I've actually made a mistake and done something wrong because it's, it's very easy for me to say, Hey, you know what? I messed up here. I made a mistake. I promise I will try and be better. Now, if you're continually making the same mistake over and over again, then the authenticity, who knows? Right. But, but I'm saying like, you make a mistake, you own up to it, whether it be to your boss, whether the members, and like, now you're better. Guess what? You're human. That's, that's the best part. I think this is a fantastic place to tie this episode off, Max. I agree with you. I think that that's a undeniable characteristic of being a strong leader and being a good human being, being able to own up to your mistakes. And unfortunately, I don't think it's something that we see from a lot of political leaders, company leaders, and uh, otherwise out there, people who you look at and you go, or they call themselves, quote unquote, a leader. You don't see that kind of personal accountability when somebody makes a mistake and they own it. They go, you know what? That's on me. I messed this up. I'm going to take responsibility for it. You don't see that. And I wish we did see it more so that young people, young professionals, young coaches could come out and just at least have those examples to follow as they enter into this profession and other professions. But Max, let's end this episode. What's one 
thing that you're watching on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, whatever that you recommend to everybody else? I got two for you. So one easy watch is Seinfeld is now re-released on Netflix. So and thank God there are people in two camps in this world, people that like friends and people that like Seinfeld and friends is a terrible show. Seinfeld is a great show. The caveat to this is that most issues in Seinfeld could be uh, solved with a cell phone. Second thing that I have is Yellow Jackets. Yellow Jackets, great show. Very, very cool. If you haven't watched Dope Sick yet on Hulu, I highly recommend that you watch Dope Sick. It is a heavy watch, but a super important watch. It is about the opioid crisis and about how Big Pharma played a big role in that. And I'll let you draw your own conclusions after that. Max, I love you, buddy. I'll talk to you next week. Let's go. Later. Bye. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go.